Welcome to Pet Will Radio, a unique show about amazing animals and inspirational people. With your host, author, animal advocate, and attorney, Peggy Hoyt. Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Pet Will Radio. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Brian and MyPetWill.com. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt. Each week we get together on Mondays at 3 o'clock to talk about fun and interesting things that are happening in the pet world. We also talk about options and alternatives for creating a lasting legacy for your pet. During the show, if you have questions or comments, you can always chat with us live at mixlr.com forward slash petwill. Today, I have the privilege of welcoming our special guest, Michelle Coppola. She's president of Fences for Fido, and welcome, Michelle. Hey, thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. You are so welcome. Um, so you are the president of Fences for Fido. So what does Fences for Fido do? You know, Fences for Fido is an amazing organization. We are a nonprofit that builds fences free of charge for families who keep their pets on chains, tethers, and in two small enclosures. In addition to providing them with a fence, we also give them free spay neuter and take care of any emergency veterinary care that is needed for that dog as well. Wow, that sounds like a great deal. Are there lots of people that need your services? Oh, yes. I mean, you know, that's the thing about it is one of the nicest things is that in this area, we've been around since about 2009 building fences. And in that time, we have unchained over 1,600 dogs in Oregon and in southwest Washington. And we are busy every weekend. Um, We, you know, are really, really proud of the work that we do here. And the need is very great, but not so great anymore in the Portland area where we, uh, where we are centered because we have actually been building here for so long. And also this area of, um, of the Portland, the Portland the Northwest Oregon area is so pet-friendly and pet-centered that really we've done a lot of educational work here that has made it so that, um, you know, most people don't keep their pets on chains in this, you know, metro area, in the Portland area any longer. However, um, outside of the metro area, it is still an issue. So. Well, that's almost surprising because, you know, we think, those of us who are pet lovers, we think about our pets like members of our family, like our children, and I personally have seven dogs. I can't imagine leaving any of my dogs outside on a chain, so it it almost strikes me as odd that there is a community of dog owners that still thinks that's a, a way to take care of a dog. Yeah, you know, that's interesting that you mentioned that because... One of the questions that we get asked most often by people who donate to us and who volunteer with us is they don't understand why would anybody keep their dog on a chain? Why would you keep a family member on a chain? You know, we don't understand that, but you you have to remember that it wasn't all that long ago where that was actually considered the acceptable way to keep a dog. I have to be honest, you know, um, when I was growing up as a kid, I remember we had a dog on a tether. Um, you know, and I, I, it makes my heart break to think of that poor dog. We took very good care of him, but he spent his days on a tether until we got home. And so it was a very acceptable way to keep a dog, uh, up until just really, you know, the past few decades. Um, and we understand now that tethering and chaining a dog when it lives that way 
the a the American Veterinary Medical Association, as well as the Centers for Disease Control, will tell you that a dog living on a chain or a tether or in a too small enclosure is eight times more likely to bite. They also uh, exhibit behaviors that can make them dangerous to themselves and to people who even the people who love them because they are frustrated and lonely and isolated. Dogs are pack animals, and this is a very unnatural way for them to live. It also makes them victims to passing um, packs of dogs that are not chained. You know, if I could, I wanted to tell you a quick story about a dog in the Warm Springs area that we serve here in uh, Oregon who we found chained up and just torn apart because... He had been attacked by a roaming band of loose dogs, and this was apparently a regular occurrence, and the last one was so bad that the owner heard about us and called us and said, please help me protect my dog. And we built him a fence, we got him to the vet, and he's doing great now. But that's just a few of the things that can happen. They can also wrap their chains and tethers around trees and other stationary objects, and it makes it so they can't get to their shelter or their water or their food. And, you know, as far as why people chain their pets, most of the time it has to do with a lack of resources. We have found through the years that most of these pet owners really, truly love their dogs. They do. They just lack the resources to do the best thing for them, but they don't want to give them up. Or uh, it's a matter of education. They were raised in such a way that they believe that that's how you keep a dog. So that kind of answers that question in a long story, but uh, really it, you know, it answers the question of why people change and you know, why it is that we approach them non-judgmentally because it enables us to actually go in and help the dog. So that non-judgmental approach, that's something that um, I really admire about organizations like yours because it, mm-hmm. if you have a different mindset, it might be easy to, you know, approach that in a judgmental way, um, mm-hmm. but that doesn't generally win friends and influence people, does it? No, and it doesn't help you help the dog either. Um, you know, immediately somebody's going to get defensive if you approach them in a judgmental way. And and honestly, you know, one of the things when people ask is, well, how, how is it that you've been so successful so quickly? Um, well, the reason we've been so successful is primarily because of our non-judgmental approach. Um, I'm not going to lie to you and say that it's easy to approach a lot of these situations and not in your heart be really angry at the pet owners. You know, I, I, I struggle with that still, but you know, you put on a happy face, you try to meet people where they are, and then later on you might commiserate with other volunteers about how badly you felt for the dog. But the great thing is, is that you know that if you approach these families in a non-judgmental way and try to help them as much as possible, that you are helping that dog you are able to make a immediate difference in the life of that dog in the course of just the three hours on a Saturday morning. Um, that dog's life has changed forever. So knowing that, um, it makes it a whole lot easier to go into these situations and say, hey, let us help you, instead of why are you keeping your dog that way? Mm-hmm. And, and people usually are receptive um, if it's a helping kind of um, approach. Yeah, you know, they are. Um, We get our referrals for Fences for Fido in many different ways. Um, We get them referred to us by animal control agencies. Um, A lot of our referrals for dogs that need fences come from friends, neighbors, passersby to see dogs chained up. But quite a few of our fence requests come directly from the families who hear about us, and they're thrilled. They're like, I don't want to keep my dog this way. I hate it, but I don't have the money to build a fence. Can you please help me? 
and we do. Um, and that is what's so great. Again, you know, when they reach out for help, we offer that helping hand without any sort of judgment tied to it. You know, we just want to make the situation better because, again, you know, 90% of the time these folks really, truly love their pets, and we often find, which is what's so great about the work we do, that many times we'll go back to check on a dog and find that all of a sudden the dog has become more a member of the family and is being allowed in the house for the first time. Um, and really the relationship changes completely between the family and the dog. Wow, that that's a really great successful outcome of just mm-hmm. getting a fence, getting a dog off a chain. So don't a lot of communities now, though, have ordinances against chaining? You know, that is something that is, yes, starting to develop, and we're so thrilled to see it. You know, it's community-wide, and it's sometimes statewide. Just to let you know, here in Oregon, Census for Fido was actually instrumental uh, by joining forces with other animal welfare groups in the state to pass Oregon's first anti-tethering law in 2014. But that was just in 2014, Um, and that law, people look at it and say, well, that's not much, but it, it really is a huge step forward when you consider that there were no laws on the books previously to prevent people from chaining their dogs at all. And the current law that we helped pass prohibits chaining to a stationary object for um, 10 hours or more. Um, So that, you know, while that may seem like it's still a long time, and it is, um, it does give animal control agencies um, the opportunity to go in and actually offer assistance and help. It gives them a reason to visit a property. Whereas before, you know, just chaining a dog, as long as it had food and water and shelter, there was no no reason for them to take any action, and now they can. Um, we also assisted the folks in Washington State, uh, right up above us here, uh, in passing their first anti-tethering law as well, uh, which happened just last year. And, oh, okay. No, it happened just this year. It happened just this year. And, you know, most communities and most municipalities and cities and counties and states have laws on the books that prohibit and provide, you know, um, punishment for animal abuse um, and neglect. But oftentimes that is up to interpretation. And secondly, uh, a lot of times your more rural communities, which is where we do a lot of our work, um, their municipalities and counties don't have the funding to actually enforce those laws. You know, they they have their hands full law. They may have one law officer for two law officers or sheriffs for a county, and they're busy taking care of all the people abuse and all the people problems. Um, And so animal, you know, animal issues sometimes sadly get put on the back burner as far as things that get investigated, looked at, and pursued. Um, So that's another problem as well. When you have a statewide law, though, it really uh, helps these agencies, you know, have some some teeth uh, to go in and say, you know, this is against the law and let us help you. So one of the things that you mentioned, Michelle, was that um, not only do you put up fences, but you help with a spay-neuter or emergency veterinary care. Um, Do you make spay and neuter kind of a condition of getting a fence? We try. Um, However, I will tell you that um, we do occasionally run into the pet owner who will refuse. Um, And if they're keeping their dog on a chain or a tether in a small enclosure, you know, most of their life, that is not going to prevent us from helping that dog by building a fence. 
Um, we will just, you know, gently suggest to them, and in the future, we will check in with them, see how they're doing, and just remind them that, hey, that free spay-neuter option is, you know, open for you if you need it uh, kind of thing. Um, a lot of times, they will do it because we also, you know, when the pet goes in for spay-neuter, we'll say, hey, while they're there, we'll take care of all their shots for you, too, you know, kind of thing, and, and so that's a little carrot to get it done, but there are some people who are resistant to the spay-neuter, but it's less and less these days. That's excellent to hear. Um, so I want to remind our listeners that we're talking with Michelle Coppola. Um, I said it wrong. Coppola. There we go. Uh, I'll answer to anything. Okay. I know. I always say, just, just don't call me late for dinner, right? Um, right. Exactly. So we're talking with Michelle. from. She's the president of Fences for Fido, and they are located out in the Oregon and Washington state areas. Um, I'm here in Florida, Michelle. So um, with some of our anti-tethering laws, um, because of the heat problems that we have here in Florida, I think um, we have some restrictions in some counties that you can't have your dog tethered between certain hours of the day, which would be our hottest hours of the day. Um, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I actually am a Florida girl by birth. I was raised in Florida. So um, I know how hot and humid and terrible it can get there. I mean, even here in Oregon, we build shade structures for some of our dogs um, who live out in the central Oregon area where it gets very, very hot. Um, and I'm glad to hear there's some laws in place in Florida because I know in Florida and in the South in general, you know, chaining and tethering is still a huge problem and there are not any not a whole lot of unchaining organizations that do what we do down there. So that was a very good point that you just made. So you guys are out on the West coast. Are there other organizations? Yeah. You know, there are nationwide, I would say there is probably about, I want to say there's something like maybe 30 unchaining organizations nationwide and they're all very small supported by donations and volunteers and so forth. In fact, Census for Fido got its start with the help of an organization called Coalition to Unchain Dogs in North Carolina. We weren't the first to do this, and they actually flew out um, a couple of their volunteers to teach us to build fences and help us with documentation and that kind of thing when we got started back in 2008, 2009. And one of the things that Fences for Fido is now doing as of a couple of years ago is we're kind of paying it forward. And we have an initiative called Unchained Planet where we will assist anyone who wants to start an unchaining group in their community. Uh, we have a Facebook page called Unchained Planet. You have to ask to join. We will help you with documentation um, that you can use our templates and fill them in with whatever the name of your organization is. Um, many times we will send a couple of volunteers out once you get your first build scheduled um, to, help, to teach you how to build a fence uh, as quickly and efficiently as possible and what materials you should use and, and that kind of thing. Um, and we also offer mentoring and support once your organization gets established in the form of we've bought sets of tools for groups that just got started and that sort of thing. Um, this past year, I was part of a crew that went down to Texas, uh, and Texas Panhandle Pups Unchained just got started in the Amarillo area, and we've helped them build several fences, and they're at it. You know, every weekend they are out building fences down there in Texas, and it is, uh, it's, a big, it's a big state and with a lot of dogs that need to be unchained. And um, so it, it's an initiative that we have that if someone feels moved to try to start an unchaining organization of their own where they live, and boy, they are sure needed, um, then we will do what we can to assist you. 
Wow, that's incredible. Well, um, just so you know, I just went to Unchained Planet on Facebook and uh, requested membership in your group. Great, so. <laughs> wonderful. And follow Census for Fido on Facebook. Even if you don't live in our area, you will so enjoy the pictures and videos of dogs being unchained. Because what I always like to say to new volunteers is, listen, you got to come out and do it because once you see a dog unhooked, you'll be hooked. <laughs> You'll want to do it every weekend. I am already a uh, a friend of Fences for Fido. I believe I have been for quite a while. Um, oh, I see you have another group too. It looks like. Um, oh, there's. Um, well, we have we have several. Uh, we have several crews. Fences for Fido itself has several crews in different areas of Oregon and Southwest Washington, and that may be what you're seeing there. But we have a main Fences for Fido page for everybody. Um, the other ones are kind of closed groups for those crews that work, you know, so they can communicate amongst themselves. Okay, excellent. Well, and so folks that are listening, you can uh, find Fences for Fido on the web. You can find them on Facebook. I'm sure you can find them other places, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Where else can mm-hmm. we find you? Yeah, you know, at this point, um, we are on Twitter, and we'd love to have a volunteer take over our Instagram. But, we, you know, we are, uh, we are at this point all volunteer. Most of us have full-time jobs, and we're doing this, you know, as a project of passion, uh, on the side. I mean, in addition to my 40-hour-a-week full-time job, I give probably at least 20 to 25 hours a week to Census for FIDO. And so, you know, at this point, um, we just have to find volunteers who have certain skills to do those things. So you won't see us as active on Twitter or Instagram, but man, we're all over Facebook because I am the monitor of that page. (laughs) Okay. Um. So, so you know, you, it's pretty active. That's excellent. Well, and how is it that you became so passionate about um, this particular um, area of helping animals? You know, I have been involved in animal welfare for well over 20 years as a uh, as an animal shelter volunteer, as and of course as a pet parent and as a foster parent. I've um, during the course of the past 20 years, I have fostered over like 40 dogs and several cats and. Um, and it's something being, you know, working with animals, doing things to benefit animals is something I have always personally been really passionate about. Um, it's, it's not that I love the smell of dog poop or anything like that, but, <laughs> you know, but I do love the smell of puppies. I wish they could bottle that stuff so you could put it behind each ear. Um, but in any case, I've been involved in animal welfare for quite a while. And in 2011, I saw a video that Fences for Fido posted of a, of a big old dog named Big. And you can actually see that video. Um, on our Fences for Fido YouTube page. Um, and actually, our YouTube channel is awesome. Uh, if you want to check that out, we have tons of videos up there of dogs being unchained. And this one that I saw was set to a really sappy country song, and it was a big old, you know, 10-year-old lab uh, with a frosty face who was chained outdoors to a um, to a pole, uh, you know. And his family loved him very much, but, you know, their life just didn't allow for them to uh, have him in the house much. And um, so he was out there kind of by himself. And, you know, labs, they just lived to be with their people. And his name was Big. And I saw that video, and by the end of it, I was sobbing and in tears. And I said, I... I want to do this. They look at what they're doing. They're making this dog's life better. It's instant gratification in one afternoon, you know, and I said, I want to be part of this. So I started volunteering, building a fence here and there. And then they found out that I had, um, I'm in the radio business for 25 years. And so I'm in marketing and advertising and radio. And they found out I had those skills and they said, Hey, can you write our press releases? Can you man our social media? Can you do And so I got more involved that way than joined the board of directors. And, um, just last year was elected president, which I was absolutely thrilled and shocked about. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> well, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> With glory comes more responsibility, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, but it's a responsibility that I absolutely adore. Um, everything about this organization to me is... Uh, absolutely perfect in terms of making a hands-on difference in the life of a dog. You know, a lot of times people will become involved in animal shelters and do work for rescues and so forth, and they don't ever get to see the culmination of the work that they do or the labor that they do, and it just seems to take so long for that, you know, good thing to come around, the dog to get adopted or to get well or whatever. And with Census for Fido, um, it's really an instant thing. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, you always get a happy outcome. Sometimes, you know, we unchain a dog and the people will contact us later and their situation has declined or worsened and they can't keep the dog anymore. And they look to us for help in finding the dog a home. And we, we definitely try to assist with that as much as we can. But Man, I was just hooked from the first time I did it. And like I said, you know, that's what happens to a lot of people. And we have many volunteers who have been with us since the very beginning. And they do it nearly every weekend that they have free. Wow, that's incredible. So if somebody's interested in becoming a volunteer because they live out in your neck of the woods or they are looking at another organization, how do they do that? Um, they can go. It's really easy. They can go to our website, censusforfido.org. Or they can also go to our Facebook page and send us a message and say, hey, I'm interested in volunteering. And then we will send them a welcome email um, and tell them how to get signed up, how to get started, what to expect, um, that kind of thing. And, you know, they take it from there, which is really nice because they get the opportunity to decide just how much or how little they want to volunteer um, and how often they can do it depending on their schedule. There's no minimum amount of volunteering needed. And, you know, a lot of people, we have people contact us who love what we do, but they're not physically able to build fences. Um, and here's the thing. You don't need any training to build one of our fences. You don't need to be strong. You don't need to be um, knowledgeable about how to build things. We have crew leaders on site and coordinators on site. And all you need to bring is yourself and anything you don't mind getting dirty and muddy. Uh, and we will show you how to build a fence. We provide all tools and training and everything else. But if, you, if you're if you not strong enough to build a fence, we have many other jobs that we could have you do. If you love working on the computer, like I said, um, I could show you some help with social media and, <laughs> and other things as well. Yeah, so, so if you're an Instagram expert, please reach out to Michelle. She needs help. <laughs> I need help. I'd love to get our Instagram going because we have such great pictures. We have many, you know, one of the kind of volunteer we have is we have several photographers and I will tell you that I think our photographers and videographers have been key to our success as well uh, because they document what we do in such a beautiful way that it's so attractive to people that they really become invested in us and so yeah we you know if you are a picture taker hey we'd love to have you on board as well so Absolutely. Well, and I see a lot of happy dog faces on your website and on your Facebook page. And um, can can you share with our listeners, uh, Michelle, a couple of uh, success stories? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, there's only 1,600 to choose from, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, um, there are so many amazing success stories. I told you about Big, the 10-year-old dog that, that we unchained in 2011 that got me hooked in defenses for Fido. He actually just passed away recently. He was um, he was 10 when we undid his chain. He lived till he was almost 15. Um, so he just passed away. But one of my favorite success stories that I like to tell is the story of a big yellow lab by the name of Shadow. 
Um, Shadow, it was a 10-year-old lab, and he was basically tethered to a big apple tree out in the middle of a field away from the house. Um, you know, there's not a way to tell the story without wondering you know, what was going on in the, in the pet owner's mind again, you know, but we, we just approached, you know, him with non-judgmental, hey, you know, can we help you? We see this dog, you know, tethered out there. And the only reason he was tethered, he had a smaller dog inside the house, was that um, the small dog didn't like the big lab. The lab was fine with the small dog, but so they tethered him out there, 10 years old, and he was by himself all the time. Um, and one of our client outreach coordinators, you know, drove by and saw this situation. And when she approached the pet owner, he said, no, the dog's fine. I don't need your help. You know, I don't know whether it was pride or whether he just really believed the dog is fine. Um, he said, I really don't need your help. My dog is fine. You know, I go out there and feed him and pet him once a day. And, you know, he's fine. And so our client outreach coordinator it just broke her heart to see that poor old lab sitting out there by himself. And she kept going back and just saying, hey, you know, hey, we'll be happy to, you know, do this. And we also provide a, an insulated doghouse with every build that we do. I forgot to mention that. But eventually, we got the anti-tethering law passed in Oregon. And then she had something to go out there to him with and say, hey, you know, this is against the law. Now, why don't you let us build you a fence? And sure enough, that did it. And he allowed us to build a fence for Shadow and give him a doghouse and lots of toys. And she goes by there every now and then to check on him because she loves that dog. And she says he's doing great. And many times she sees him sitting on the front porch with his owner now because that relationship has changed uh, between the dog and the pet owner. And maybe he realized how much he missed his shadow. And so that dog has a much better life just simply because we built a fence and we didn't give up. Um, that's really one of my all-time favorite stories to tell. And, and isn't, um, it you know, great, isn't it great, Michelle, that dogs are so forgiving that they'll say to their owner, even though you've had me on a chain for 10 years, I still love you. and I, will, I still love you. Yep. And I'll sit right yeah. next to you for the rest of my life. Right, right. I mean, it's, it's amazing what, what you can do if you just have a little perseverance and you approach somebody non-judgmentally. You know, as hard as it was for our client outreach coordinator to go knock on that door time after time, she did it with a smile. She offered toys. She was just really persistent but very nice and didn't make the pet owner feel like he was a bad guy, you know, which would be, which would be hard for anybody to do. I mean, that's, you know, that's just a tribute to the kind of volunteers, the kind of dedication that we have. Um, you know, amongst our volunteers and how much they believe in, in our cause. Just recently, um, we unchained a 15-year-old shepherd mix that was chained. He wasn't, he was roped to the side of a house with a yacht rope. That thing, that rope was heavier than he was. Um, and that brought out so many volunteers who were absolutely thrilled to see that dog you know, unroped or untethered, I guess you should say. Um, but we just recently built that fence um, out in the Woodburn area of Oregon, which is a, a small community just south of the Portland area. Um, up in southwest Washington, we recently unchained two of the most beautiful husky mixes you've ever seen with bright blue eyes, both of them four years old, brother and sister, uh, but chained separately to separate trees um, with nothing but oil cans for shelter. And we, uh, we built them a big, huge fence that they could play in together. And they've been changed since they were puppies. And they're both four years old. 
And so um, that's, you know, that's another story I can tell you about. Gosh, and I already told you the story of Rocky, the, the sweet dog who got tore up by the wandering dog uh, in Warm Springs. And, you know, that was a real success story for him. We've assisted people who live in uh, temporary situations with, with movable kennels. And even when people move, if they contact us and say, I've moved to a new place that doesn't have a fence and my dog is chained again, can you help me? We will. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, just we're always with that dog. Once the Fido's on our radar, they're really not off of our radar if we can help them. And so what, what do the fences look like that you build? We build six-foot-tall welded wire field fence with four-by-four treated um, uh, fence corner posts. It's sunk in concrete. All of our fences do have ground wire, have a foot of ground wire as well, so the dogs can't dig out. We stop that and, and, uh, in its tracks, and you know, we put a gate or two on depending on what's needed. Um, we also have been known to put toppers on fences. You know, some dogs and I won't mention any names, huskies and pit bulls, right. uh, tend to want to <laughs> climb fences. <laughs> tend to want to climb fences, even when they have a nice big space to roam in. That's just kind of their nature. Uh, if they see something that stimulates them. So um, we have been known to put toppers on fences for dogs who uh, actually can climb a six-foot fence. Um, you know, we don't normally build chain link fences, but we do have some communities where it is easier for us and the ground is flat to put in um, panel fences. Uh, to put in these prefabricated panel panel fences um, that are uh, you know, have the prefabricated walls, and then we'll build it you know to spec depending on how much space they have. But the one thing that is consistent with almost all of our fences when we can is we always attach them to the house because our goal is to make sure that the relationship between that dog and the family um, gets better, and so it is easier for people to interact with and be involved with their dog. Uh, when actually one of the walls of the fence is the house itself. Wow. That, that, I really love that. Um, now, as a fence-building organization, do you have any um, opinions about um, invisible fences? You know, personally, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a veterinarian. I'm not, I'm not anybody who can speak, you know, um, with, a, you know, authority about how much pain they feel and that kind of thing. And I'm sure the manufacturers of those particular devices would tell you that there's not anything inhumane about them. Me personally, um, I, I am just not sure, A, of their efficacy, um, and B, of, you know, how humane they are. I mean, that's just, that's just my own personal opinion. Um, you know, I did for a short period of time work as a dog trainer uh, at a large pet store chain where we sold those and had the opportunity to learn about them quite a bit. Um, and I still came away with the opinion that, you know, I'm just not sure that they are always going to work properly. Um, there are too many variables that can prohibit it from doing what it's supposed to do. Um, and also, it doesn't prevent other strange dogs necessarily from coming into your yard, um, which is part of the reason why we build fences, too. As you saw, as I demonstrated with the story of Rocky and with other dogs that we've seen who have become impregnated while chained up. My first sure. build was with a, yeah, my first build was with, involved a uh, pit bull who was pregnant and chained to a telephone pole by a busy road. Um, and she was pregnant because she couldn't get away from a passing intact male. Right. And so, yeah, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons to me why that is just not really the best solution um, for, for a dog. Um, I, know, I understand why people get them, but in the end, if you're going to spend the money on that, you might as well do something that is really actually going to work that you can feel secure 
uh, is going to take care of keeping your dog safe and and take care of keeping them from running off and take care of keeping them from, um, you know, uh, being, you know, being victimized by not only passing dogs, but, you know, there's, there's dog theft that goes on as well. And while a fence doesn't necessarily prevent that, if it's not locked, it certainly is a barrier. So for me, um, one of those invisible fences really isn't necessarily the way to go, um, you know, for keeping your dog safe. That's good information. And uh, as the owner of a part husky, I can certainly attest to their desire to uh, visit the neighbors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just, they just got to be busy, like all the time. Yes, definitely. Um, he yeah. is and we, we very... untain a lot of huskies, and, it's, and, and it breaks my heart knowing what kind of active working dogs they are. Um, huskies are, um, you know, one of the top breeds that we end up unchaining. So. Oh, really? Okay, that's interesting that you get so mm-hmm. many huskies. Um, mm-hmm. Well, they're popular here, first of all. They're extremely popular in, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, but, and I think also because they're so attractive. You know, they're just extremely popular dogs. Yep. And um, people are just not prepared for the kind of needs they have in terms of stimulation and exercise. Well, and I saw um, a cute dog on your site that um, Fences for Fido was trying to help rehome. So, again, if people are looking for a pet, that might also be a place for them to look. We can certainly refer you, um, you know, to organizations that do that. We, we are not in the dog rehoming business, and we don't have a ton of them. Um, it, it's just an occasional one that we, you know, one of the things that we are very successful in doing that we're proud of is keeping dogs in their home. You know, and um, that, that's really our goal is to keep, do everything we can to make sure that dog stays in its home. Um, you know, no, yes, there are occasions where um, there's severe neglect or abuse, and we will turn that over to an authority to deal with. But most of the time, the dogs that we build fences for stay in their homes, and it's only the rare occasion when we, uh, we have a dog that we're trying to rehome. And the dog that we're trying to rehome right now is named Toaster. Um, she's an eight-year-old healer who is so athletic and smart, but she doesn't need to be the only dog. Strangely enough, though, for a herding breed, she gets along with cats and chickens. So, well, there you go. Up with them, so there you go. But she's an amazing dog, and unfortunately, her owners, um, you know, they love her dearly, but they have fallen on some very hard times and are having to move into an apartment, and she's an extremely athletic dog, and they tried to make it work. But it's just not, um, you know, a dog like that living in an apartment is just not, it's not going to happen. So we told them we would, we do everything we can to find her a home. So that's okay. what we're doing. So she doesn't love dogs, but cats and chickens, you're good. Yeah, cats and chickens, you're good. Isn't that interesting? Yep. That really is interesting. And, um, you know, takes all kinds, right? Yeah, right. Well, you never know. I think a lot of times, well, dogs in a lot of ways are like kids and people in that, you know, what they're exposed to at a very young age, which is why it's so important. Um, one of the things that you also see with chain dogs is that they tend to be very under-socialized, and so it makes them reactive to other dogs and sometimes to certain people uh, because they haven't been socialized properly. And, you know, socialization is, you know, next to food and water and shelter is, you know, a key when it comes to owning a dog, for sure. Well, and I can see where any uh, tethered dog would probably have probably some built-in fear of other dogs just because of their former circumstances where they couldn't get away. 
Right, right, exactly. You know, you know, socialization is so important. And again, you know, yes, you're going to have dogs that have some some justifiable fear of other dogs when when they have not been able to protect themselves or get away or you know um, defend themselves or their or their territory uh, from another dog. So. Well, I'm going to remind our listeners that they're listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Pet Will Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can always chat with us live at mixlr.com forward slash petwill. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt, and I want to ask you and remind you to visit our website at mypetwill.com where you can create a pet trust for your pet um, to make sure that it's going to be cared for 24-7 if something happens to you. And, um, Michelle, we were talking about um, MyPetWill.com a little bit before we went on the air, and um, you said, wow, that's really great. So um, I'm hoping you'll check that out as well. (laughs) I will, absolutely. Well, it's my intention. In fact, my husband and I do have a will, and my pets are provided for in my will. So there you go. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) Um, Whatever pets I have at the time, because I'm always fostering a dog or two, and and I always have senior pets. So, um, you know, I want to make sure they're taken care of for sure. So I think that's one of the most important things in the world, what you're doing there with the My Pet Will. Uh, really, really something that people just don't think about often enough. I know working in rescue, we ran into that constantly where older dogs and cats were surrendered to the shelter because nobody in the family wanted them after uh, the owner passed on. Yeah, and that just makes me so sad because it feels like the ultimate insult to a loved pet that they would end up in a shelter environment where they're terrified and possibly could be euthanized. And one of the things that we say is that there's still half a million pets that are euthanized annually because their pet owners didn't have a plan for them. And we got to put an end to that. We really do. You know, uh, the Oregon Humane Society, which is a fabulous organization here in the Portland area, they actually have a program, um, uh, you know, through through that shelter where they assist people who um, who are thinking about that um, as far as taking care of their pet. However you do it, um, you know, whether it's, you know, through them or through your organization and what you're doing, it's really so important, you know, and people, people always assume that somebody's going to be able to step in and take care of their animal when they pass or if they pass, and that's just not the case. Shelters can tell you that. You know, um, so many animals that come in, it's because people can no longer take care of them. They're incapacitated or they are uh, or they've passed on unexpectedly or even expectedly. And no one wants the pet. You know, my current black lab, um, that was actually the case. She was brought in to be euthanized. She was nine years old and brought in to be euthanized because her owner passed away and nobody in the family wanted her. And she had health problems and the vet knew her from the time she was a puppy and said, I love this dog and she's okay. She's got some health problems, but she doesn't need to be euthanized. Would you mind if I turned her over to a rescue? And they said, fine. And consequently I have my Jimmy dog now because of that. So, Well, and I myself have also adopted some senior dogs or fostered some senior dogs and they are really wonderful. Uh, the best. I, You know, honestly, puppies are, are wonderful and beautiful, but you know what they say about puppies and babies, right? It's, they're so cute so that we don't kill them. Exactly. <laughs> I have a uh, 14-week-old at the moment, and that's the only thing that um, is her saving grace is she's so stinking cute because she is yeah. a little pee and pooping machine. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, it's I mean, it's true. Senior dogs are absolutely the best, and, and I, I just don't really want anything else in the future because they are just 
I mean, you, really, you make it such a huge difference in their lives. And one of the kinds of fostering I do is, that, is, is as a foster parent, uh, you know, dogs that don't have a whole lot of time left, but they end up in a shelter. And because of illness or age, you know, they're not going to be around long, but you want to give them a loving place to live out the rest of their days. And, and that's something that I do at my home. Oh, so, wow. That sounds great. Yeah. And, and I notice on your site, you have a Smokies Fund for Senior Fidos. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, senior pets are, you know, really, um, they're really a true love of everybody who, who volunteers with Fences for Fido. Sadly, because we do end up cha- unchaining older dogs regularly, but we've found that many of the older dogs we unchain really as a result of their chaining or just, you know, the families being unable to care for them properly are suffering from long-term and chronic health issues and their quality of life can be substantially improved with a little bit of vet care and so um, as part of our service we do have Smokey's Fun and if senior pets are a love of yours I would encourage you to donate whatever you can to our Smokey's Fund and you can you can donate right on our site and you can say please give this to Smokey's Fund you can put a comment designate it for Smokey's Fund um, and that is for a dog that um, you know the, the original bequest that started that was for an older dog named Smokey. Um, and his his owners, you know, started um, that fund for us with a with the original bequest, and so um, we, you know, we really feel strongly that um, we take care of any emergency issues, you know, a pet has. Like in Rocky's case, as I told you about, we've run into many cases where dogs have fleas so bad they have infections. Um, they have hair loss and, and so forth because they haven't been cared for properly. Some of them, like Big, who I talked about earlier, right? Huge tumor. He had a huge tumor, and we got that removed for him. And so Smokey's Fund pays for those kind of issues for senior pets to give them the best quality of life possible because it's not going to help if we just unchain them and then they're sick. And they right. only, you know, and, right. and they're, the rest of their life is still kind of miserable because they're so ill. Um, and a lot of times it's something that can be handled with, you know, with minimal amounts of just good care, you know. Uh, it doesn't necessarily always require surgery or anything invasive like that. So. Well, um, since you and I both share that love of seniors, that would be my preference if people would donate to anything that would help any of the seniors that, uh, that you serve as part of fences for Fido. And, um, I know a few years back you got some, um, special recognition as an organization, um, through Fox All-Star Dog. Yeah. You want to talk yeah. about that a little bit? Sure, yeah. So <laughs> so we've actually won um, a couple of different awards, but the biggest thing that happened, yes, happened a couple of years ago, we were contacted by uh, Fox Television in Hollywood because they do a special each Thanksgiving called the All-Star Dog Rescue Celebration where they bring on organizations that rescue dogs and that do things for dogs and try to get a lot of dogs adopted on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving night. It's really a very cool thing. And they have a lot of celebrities participate and who come to the show and, and who also tape segments for it, pet loving celebrities and so forth. And so they contacted us because Sam Simon, who uh, passed away a couple of years ago, was a writer, I believe, for The Simpsons. Um, he was very well known in Hollywood as a, as a writer and comedian. And he, when he passed away, um, he, he bequested, you know, most of his money to animal welfare organizations. And one of the things that Fox TV did in his honor because he was involved with The Simpsons um, was they established what was called the Sam Simon Award. 
Um, a couple of other organizations have won it in the past. And last year, uh, not last year, but the year before, Fences for Fido um, was honored by being given that award. And so they flew us all to Hollywood. They flew our um, uh, members of our crew and our board um, to Hollywood. And we were part of the actual show taping. And we got to be handed our Golden Bone Award by Hillary Swank. Uh, it was very exciting. She was actually the one who nominated us for that award because she saw us uh, on social media. Oh, and wow. So, um, yeah, and if you go, to, if you if you look it up on YouTube, look up Census for Fido, um, Fox TV, that kind of thing, you will see the segment um, that they produced about us, which is heartwarming. But what was great is we all wore T-shirts that spelled out the word unchanged. And, and um, you were what letter? I'm going to guess. Were you- <laughs> I, I looked at your picture, but I'm not sure. Were you C? I would C. I would okay. C. I'm the, I'm the, yeah, yeah, I'm the chubby C there. C for chubby, C for Coppola. Um, yeah, it was really, what was really funny to me is my big Hollywood moment, and, and once they pan in close, you can see I have a huge run in my pantyhose. <laughs> it's like no escape, no escape from the embarrassment. Uh, it was my big Hollywood moment, but it was a lot of fun, and we were so honored by that. Uh, to be given that award. It got us a lot of recognition, but one of the greatest things that it did for us is um, it made people around the country aware that they can do something about chained dogs, um, which is what we were after. And we got so many inquiries after that about how do I start an unchaining group in my community? How do I start it in my state? And that's how really Unchained Planet got its start. Um, is we said we just got to coordinate all this effort and assist people who are asking for help, and that's what we did. So. Wow, and and now you continue as an or organization to uh, pay it forward and help other people um, create organizations throughout the country that help unchained dogs everywhere. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to tell you that it's an easy prospect, but, you know, I mean, if you start with just one cent, chances are you'll find a way to do the next one, and then you'll find a way to do the one after that. And before you know it, um, you are making a substantial difference uh, in the lives of dogs in your community. And a lot of people, one of my favorite quotes, and I'm sorry I don't remember the woman who said it, but um, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, cha- you know, helping one dog may not change the world, but it changes the world for that one dog, oh, you know, yep. um, forever. And that's one of my favorite quotes, you know, because sometimes the problem seems completely insurmountable. I know that when we were down in Amarillo, Texas, helping Texas panhandle dogs unchained uh, get started, um, one of the things I noticed is we were building a fence for this one dog on a chain, and just about every fourth dog on that block was chained. Wow. Um, you know, and every time, everywhere we drove around, we saw chain dog, chain dog, chain dog, chain dog. And we were saying to Mel Henry, who got Texas Panhandle Dogs Unchained, uh, Pups Unchained started and is doing that wonderful work down there. He said, man, don't you get overwhelmed by seeing this? And she said, yeah. She said, initially I did, but I realize now that um, if I don't start, that it'll never get better. You know, right. it'll never get better. So, so it goes, it goes back it. to your motto, unchained, right. one dog at a time. One dog at a time. And now, you know, hey, look at us, 1,600 dogs later and counting. That's incredible. Well, thank you, uh, Michelle, to you and to all of your volunteers and your board members and your supporters for the good work that they're doing to unchain dogs and uh, to educate um, people about, um, you know, why we don't want to chain our dogs and, and really bring right. them into our families and making sure that they're spayed and neutered and then making sure that we have a plan for them if something happens to us. 
Um, yep. I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule today to share with us about Fences for Fido. You can find Always. them at fencesforfido.org, and they are everywhere on social media. Um, and I'm sure if you have any questions, you can reach out, and um, there's lots of good ways to do that. So thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, we will be here again next week. And um, until there are none, please adopt one. Um, don't chain your dog. Call Fences for Fido. And um, please visit MyPetWill.com and get yourself a pet will today. And thank you so much. And we will see everybody next week. Happy tails. Thank you for joining us on Pet Will Radio. Visit PetWillRadio.com for updates on shows, links to previous shows, inspirational stories, videos, and more. Until next time, take care.